Joining us now in the program from the state of Ohio is the Green Party candidate for governor in Ohio, Dr. Robert Fedrakis. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Dr. Fedrakis. Oh, glad to be with you. I think people that were following Election 2000 probably know your name because you were all over the Internet. I remember getting many emails or forwards from, uh, from what you were up to in regards to the great fiasco that was Election 2000. Uh, you've written a book about that as well. We wrote two of them. Uh, and we got a third one out now called What Happened in Ohio, a documentary record of theft and fraud in the 2004 election, which is just out at the new press. Well, very good. You, you are an, an attorney and radio host, I guess, out in Ohio. And you're challenging, we should point out to our listeners, you're challenging the infamous uh, Kenneth Blackwell for governor, the Republican candidate for governor in Ohio. Can you tell us a little bit about, uh, about your campaign and Mr. Blackwell's? Well, the campaigns in Ohio are interesting. Uh, the man who's leading right now is the Democrat, uh, Ted Strickland. Uh, good guy, congressman, uh, sort of vague. Nobody really knows much about him. But uh, Ken Blackwell, in one of the last polls, only had 32% of the vote, which is almost unheard of. My campaign has been around the 3 to 5% range. But uh, we've really uh, brought the issues forward, really, about what Ken Blackwell did in the 2004 election. He has very high negatives, and in part, I think it's to the Election Protection Coalition, which urged me to run to make sure that there wasn't another stolen election in Ohio. Well, you've been quite the watchdog uh, as to what has taken place in Ohio. Can you give us a brief summary of what you think happened in election 2004 in the state of Ohio? Well, uh, I think you begin by looking at the fact that uh, between 2000 and 2004, uh, 24.93% 24.93% of all the voters in Cleveland, really the most democratic city in the state of Ohio, were purged from the voter rolls under the direction of J. Kenneth Blackwell and HAVA, which was pushed forward by Congressman Bob May, who's now on his way to prison, uh, having pleaded guilty to corruption charges. So what you had is the systematic purging. Uh, 24,000 people in Toledo in late August of 2004 were purged from the rolls. 105,000 people in Cincinnati were moved to inactive status. So you have the targeting of the black cities and particularly the uh, black wards, where in some black wards as many as uh, 54% of the population was purged. And remember, this is not required under law. Uh, It simply is allowed if you hadn't voted in the last two elections. So you had old-fashioned voter suppression, You also had the hiding of the machines in Franklin County, Columbus, which probably cost John Kerry an estimated 17,000 votes, uh, where they conducted the election with a little over half the machines they needed. Uh, The additional machines were never bought, and then they were prohibited from being bought by J. Kenneth Blackwell, who was the Secretary of State and the co-chair of the Bush-Cheney re-election campaign. Then you had his infamous ruling on the 80 bond, paperweight, he found an old law that said that you couldn't register to vote unless you were using 
80 bond unwaxed white uh, paperweight, which is that cardboard stock. So, uh, you know, he brought that law in, and, and thousands of people uh, lost their registration. Uh, and he said that, uh, despite Ohio history, if you were at the right polling place but the wrong table in the wrong precinct, your vote wouldn't be counted for president. In the past, it had been counted on the county level on up, just not at the precinct level. So uh, tens of thousands of people lost their right to vote because of Ken Blackwell's rulings. Well, let me, let me ask you this. On this program a couple years back, we asked Greg Pallast, who'd written extensively about the original time this went down in Florida in 2000, with Katherine Harris simultaneously being Secretary of State and, and campaign chair for the state, which was, of course, repeated with Blackwell in Ohio in 2004. Pallast estimated that uh, they, they probably swung at least 90,000 votes away from the Gore camp in 2000 in a state where Bush wound up having a 537-vote plurality. How many do you, votes do you estimate were swung in the state of Ohio in 2004? Well, a minimum that we've documented in the new book is 127,000. I suspect, as we actually attempt to count every ballot, we've only counted 1% of the ballots. So a lot of the early numbers are from the voter suppression, the D-bolt, OptiScan machines that froze up and Toledo costing Kerry 7,000 votes, the 17,000 votes Kerry lost from the machines being gone in the inner city of Columbus. Uh, in the book, we actually document about 127,000 votes. Kerry lost the state by 118,000. Correct. But with Robert Kennedy writing in Rolling Stone, estimate, I think, at one point that 357,000 votes may have been spoiled. Yeah, I think about 350,000 uh, as we actually get to count the ballots. Our projections are similar to uh, Robert Kennedy's, which are actually similar to the exit polls, is that the swing appears to be in that 350,000 uh, vote range. What we're really finding in the rural Republican counties is uh, it looks just like old-fashioned ballot stuffing. Uh, one precinct in Delaware County, the last 359 votes allegedly went for Bush. Uh, we just don't think that happened in reality. <laughs> Did they vote in alphabetical order like the famous 1948 LBJ case? <laughs> well, no, it's, it's an interesting story, though. We went to him and said, you know, because this was not a recount district, how could Bush have the last 359 votes? <laughs> and we were told this story. Well, the presiding judge, who was a Republican, brought the ballots in, and the Boy Scouts were there as usual to carry the ballots into the Board of Election. And then they were given to a, quote, mentally retarded, end quote, Chad scraper, who supposedly <laughs> scraped the Chads off the punch cards. But what we estimated when those ballots came in at 8 and were posted a little after midnight, he would have had to have scraped, every second he would have had to scrape the Chads off five punch cards for uh, over four and a half hours. Well, uh, that's, that's quite a story. Um, <laughs> well, the Boy Scouts showed up in Miami County, too, when uh, we went there, and we said, look, we don't believe 98.55% of the people voted in Concord Southwest. And when we went to audit the poll books, the director, Steve Quillen, said, you guys are right. It was probably only 82%. Here's the voting history. And then we said, well, how could this happen? And he said, well, you know, there were these Boy Scouts. We held some of the ballots back, and we think the Boy Scouts took ballots for one precinct and gave them to another precinct. They actually used 
in these rural Republican areas, you know, it's sort of like blame it on the Boy Scouts. Oh, my God. Well, Dr. Fatrakis, we'd like... How to win a merit badge. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Dr. Fatrakis, we'd like to, we'd like to refer uh, our readers to an article, which I can't seem to find, online for Rolling Stone, The Battle for Ohio by Tim Dickinson, which tells quite a bit about what, what happened in your state. Oh, yeah, it's an excellent article. Do you know where they can find that? Because I can't seem to get it on the web myself. Maybe you can put it on your website, and we want to. I know people are going to be interested in, in, in finding out more about you. Where can they go to sure, learn more yeah, about I'll, your campaign? I'll get it on uh, bobforohio.com. I'll make sure my webmaster uh, posts the the article on bobforohio.com. Yeah, by all means, because I'm sure that a lot of our listeners are going to want to go to your site, and they're definitely going to going to want to read this article about the battle for Ohio. And again, I would urge them uh, to look at what happened in Ohio, and on the new press. Also, there's a new book out by the Black Box Peeting. Uh, people called Hacked, a uh, very good book. Uh, and, of course, there's the new illustrated comic book, uh, Cheated, which is very good at illustrating what happened in 2004. Is just out as well. Well, I know that, uh, you know, win, lose, or draw, you're going to probably remain active in this issue about uh, electoral reform in this country. Are, are you planning to do some, some work on the, this regards of voting machines? Well, you know, I really was hoping that someone would have brought that lawsuit I'm helping with the lawsuit to preserve the ballots and suing Mr. Blackwell for violation of voter civil rights. But uh, after uh, the election is over, uh, I think I would have time to take a look. Uh, although I'd like somebody, you know, and I'd even help them out a little as much as I can if they try to take out these machines, particularly D-Vote, prior to the election, because I think there's a catastrophe and a meltdown coming. Uh, out here in California, I want to run this one past you since you're interested in, in electoral reform uh, by definition. Uh, my colleague Lisa Pease met you in, in Los Angeles last week and told you about our, our bill AB 2948, which would put California's electoral votes, 55 votes, into a, a pool, in essence, to vote for the national popular winner. She said you had a horrified look on, her, on your face when she told you about this. First of all, they put a coup in that state with Arnold... Uh uh, Schwarzenegger, I mean, and, uh, you know, I mean, California is sort of the last bastion <laughs> that's uh, really been able to hold back some of these right-wing forces. So, uh, you know, I can't see that, in, in part because I don't trust the popular vote in this state. I think uh, the exit polls show Kerry winning 51 to 48, and, you know, the default machines and ES&S machines, you know, showed the exact opposite. So, uh, in general, you know, I'd like to see the Electoral College abolished, but I'd like to see instant runoff voting or uh, proportional representation or other types of voting that make it easier uh, for third-party candidates to get some new ideas into the system. We, uh, we've been talking with the Green Party candidate out in the state of Ohio, Dr. Bob Fetrakis. He's been doing some, uh, some good work over the years in trying to get people noticing what is going on in some of these border states. Ohio certainly was the key to 2004. Do you think it'll be the key to 2008? Well, I think so. Unless California does something crazy like <laughs> put all its uh, votes into one pot. I mean, I'd, I'd much rather see them divide the votes proportionally. You know, why would you want to create, if California goes blue, why would they want to create what looks like a massive landslide uh, for conservatives in this country? Well, it's easy to understand in the wake of election 2000 with, with Gore winning the popular vote that uh, they would have said, well, if a bunch of states got together and voted, agreed to vote for the winner, 
that'd be one thing. But California's going first, I notice, and we're the bluest <laughs> of the blue with the largest number of votes. I'm wondering why. Right. No, that's, uh, you know, let's start with Idaho here. Exactly, or Kentucky or Mississippi, you know, when if we get about... Yeah, or, or some of the battleground states. Right, right. Well, we thank you so much for talking with us. When election time draws near, we'd like to maybe go to you again out of Ohio for a report as to how you're doing and how things are shaping up. Oh, I'd love to do another interview. Well, well thank you for speaking with us, Dr. Bob Fetrakis from Ohio. All right, glad to be on the show. It is it's rather unlikely that Dr. Bob Fetrakis is going to be the next uh, next governor of Ohio, but we think his campaign is meaningful, and we wish it uh, well. We hope that people here in California who listen will uh, take interest and see what he's up to out in Ohio. A lot of those emails he was sending out in the wake of, uh, of election chicanery of the last couple national elections uh, shows he really was uh, on the cutting edge. We'll try and return to Dr. Fetrakis uh, on our uh, pre-election program in late October, at which time we hope to also talk to uh, the Green Party candidate for Congress here in the Sacramento region. That would be... Uh, KDVS's own Jeffrey Kravitz. Uh, Jeff, of course, hosted Panic Attack here on KDVS for many years, and who knows, maybe back again one day. On this show, we really do depend on the input of you, the listening public, and we want to thank uh, R.V. Scheid of the Sacramento News and Review for alerting us to uh, the actual clips of uh, former President Clinton's appearance on Fox News. In this election year of 2006, uh, the Republicans have been trying, of course, to blame 9-11 on the Clinton administration with that recent ABC uh, 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 fictionalized program of what led up to 9-11. Uh, Clinton has taken quite, uh, quite an issue with this, and, well, we're just going to play a little bit of this and let it speak for itself. Why didn't you do more to put bin Laden and al-Qaeda out of business when you were president? There's a, a new book out you may... Um, I suspect you've already read, called The Looming Tower. And it talks about the fact that uh, when you pulled troops out of Somalia in 1993, bin Laden said, I have seen the, the frailty and the weakness and the cowardice of U.S. troops. Then there was the bombing of the embassies in Africa and the attack on the coal. Okay, let's just go let, through let, it. Let me, let me, may I just finish the question, yeah. sir? And, and after the attack, the book says, that uh, bin Laden separated his, his leaders, spread them around because he expected an attack, and there was no response. I understand that hindsight is always twenty twenty. Well, let's talk about it. But the question is, no. why didn't you do okay, more, connect the dots, and put them out of business? All right, let's talk about it. I will answer all those things on the merits, but first I want to talk about the context in which this arises. I'm being asked this on the Fox network. ABC just had a right-wing conservative running uh, their little pathway to 9-11, falsely claiming it was based on the 9-11 Commission report, with three things asserted against me directly contradicted by the 9-11 Commission report. And I think it's very interesting that all the conservative Republicans who say I didn't do enough claimed that I was too obsessed with bin Laden, all of President Bush's neocons thought I was too obsessed with bin Laden, they had no meetings on bin Laden for nine months after I left office, all the right-wingers who now say I didn't do enough said I did too much. Same people. They were all trying to get me to withdraw from Somalia in 1993 the next day after we were involved in Black Hawk Down, and I refused to do it and stayed six months and had an orderly transfer to the United Nations. Okay, now let's look at all the criticisms. Black Hawk Down, Somalia. There is not a living soul in the world who thought Osama bin Laden had anything to do with Black Hawk Down 
or was paying any attention to it, or even knew al-Qaeda was a going concern in October of 93. I, I understand. I, no, I, I no, don't wait, no, wait, no, wait. Don't tell me this. You asked me why did I do more to bin Laden. There was not a living soul. All the people who now criticize me wanted to leave the next day. You brought this up, so you get an answer. But I, you I'm can't perfectly do, happy to all right, take it. Right, secondly, bin Laden says... That, but bin Laden may have said Bin Laden that, says that, but it showed the weakness of the United but States. But it, it, it would have shown the weakness if we'd left right away. But he wasn't involved in that. That's just a bunch of bull. With he, respect, if I may, without, with, instead of going through 93 and No, 96, no, you ask it. You I, brought it up. May I, may I ask you, you the general question and then you can answer? Yeah. The 9-11 Commission, you, which you talk about, and this is what they did say, not what ABC pretended they yeah. said. What did they, they say? They said about you and President Bush, and I quote, the U.S. government took the threat seriously, but not in the sense of mustering anything like the kind of effort that would be gathered to confront an enemy of the first, second, or even third rank. That, first of all, that's not true with us and bin Laden. Well, I'm talking about the 9-11 right, Commission. Let's look at what Richard Clark said. Do you think Richard Clark has a vigorous attitude about bin Laden? Yes, I do. You I do, don't he has, you? He has a, a variety of opinions and loyalties, right. but yes, no, he right, has a vigorous wait, opinion. Yeah, he has a variety of opinions and loyalties now, but let's look at the facts. He worked for Ronald Reagan. He was loyal to him. He worked for George H.W. Bush. He was loyal to him. He worked for me, and he was loyal to me. He worked for President Bush. He was loyal to him. They downgraded him and the terrorist operation. Now, look what he said. Read his book and read his factual assertions, not opinions, assertions. He said we took vigorous action after the African embassies. We probably nearly got bin Laden. Well, what, I authorized, no wait a minute, wait, 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 no wait a minute, no, no, I authorized, I authorized the CIA to, to get groups together to try to kill him. The CIA was run by George Tenet that President Bush gave the Medal of Freedom to. He said he did a good job setting up all these counterterrorism things. The country never had a comprehensive anti-terror operation until I came there. Now, if you want to criticize me for one thing, you can criticize me for this. After the cold, I had battle plans drawn to go into uh, Afghanistan, overthrow the Taliban, and launch a full-scale attack search for bin Laden. But we needed basing rights in Uzbekistan, which we got after 9-11. The CIA and the FBI refused to certify that bin Laden was responsible while I was there. They refused to certify. So that meant I would have had to send a few hundred special forces in and helicopters refuel at night. Even the 9-11 Commission didn't do that. Now, the 9-11 Commission was a political document, too. All I'm asking is, anybody who wants to say I didn't do enough, you read Richard Clark. Do you book. think you did enough, sir? No, because I didn't get him. Right. But at least I tried. That's the difference in me and some, including all the right-wingers that are attacking me now. They ridiculed me for trying. They had eight months to try. They did not try. I tried. So I tried and failed. When I failed, I left a comprehensive anti-terror strategy and the best guy in the country, Dick Clark, who got demoted. So you did Fox's bidding on this show. You did your nice little conservative hit job on me. Well, what I want to know well, wait is... Minute, now, wait, sir, no, wait, I'm wait, wait, no, question. You don't no, think that's a legitimate I'm, question? No, it was a perfectly legitimate question, but I want to know how many people in the Bush administration you asked this question of. I want to know how many people in the Bush administration you asked, why didn't you do anything about the coal? I want to know how many people you asked, why did you fire Dick Clark? I want to know how many people you we asked, we asked Did you ever watch Fox News Sunday, I sir? I don't believe you asked him that. We asked plenty of questions. Of, you didn't ask that, did you? 
Tell about the, the truth, USS Chris. Cole? Tell the truth, I, I, With, with Iraq and Afghanistan, that? there's plenty of stuff to ask. Did you ever Sarah. ask that? You set this meeting up because you're going to get a lot of criticism from your viewers because Rupert Murdoch supporting my work on climate change. And you came here under false pretenses and said that you'd spend half the time talking <laughs> about, you said you'd spend half the time talking about what we did out there to raise $7 billion plus in three days from 215 different commitments. And you don't care. I, but President you, Clinton, if you, you look at the questions your, here, you'll see half the questions about that. I didn't think this was going to set you, you launched, off on such a you tear. Launched it, it set off on a tear because you didn't formulate it in an honest way and because you people ask me questions, you don't ask the other side. President uh, Bill Clinton telling it like it is, in, in our opinion. We're glad to see that he's speaking out forcefully, as a lot of people are starting to do. There seems to be this uh, national mood, I think, that, uh, well, people are distancing themselves. Even Republican candidates running for office are distancing themselves between uh, the White House and their campaigns. We didn't air the complete interview. We recommend that you go on the website and check it out uh, for yourself in its entirety. At rawstory.com. It's up in the upper right-hand corner. Click on it and listen. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. Stay tuned for more in our third segment today. Yeah.